Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. We have a guest today that we've never had anybody like this on the show, uh, which makes me really happy because I don't know about all of you, but my favorite thing in the whole wide world is interviewing really freaking smart people and learning from them. And we have the chance to do that today in an area that I literally know nothing about. We've had kind of a inclusion expert on a little while ago, and we really talked to her more about the website and how to make it sure, you know, that people are deaf of hard of hearing or, or blind can still interact with your content. But we're taking that to the next level today with Alexa Heinrich. Now she is a digital accessibility expert, which is by the way, Alexa, that's a, freaking cool title. <laughs> and, uh, I'm really looking forward to finding out a little bit more about who you are and what makes you tick. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk to you. Okay. I have to ask you, why did you go on this path? I mean, was there something personally or professionally, or did you just see such a huge chasm, like a void of people not doing this? What, what happened? I was previously working in Chicago for a very large community college system and my primary role was managing social media for them. But I also oversaw some of the digital assets on their website. And one day the digital strategist on my team asked me if I was putting alt text on the images on our homepage. And I had no clue what she was talking about. So I started to do more research into that. And I was just kind of horrified that I didn't know about any of this, especially for social media, which was my primary job function, I was just mortified that I was possibly not doing enough with our content and possibly being an obstacle for disabled students getting an education. So that really struck a nerve with me and I've just not stopped talking about it since. And so now I help other brands and organizations make their social media content accessible. So you're kind of trailblazing here, though, Alexa. It, it doesn't seem to me that there is PhD dissertations on a lot of this out there. Where, where, how are you learning? Is this trial and error? Are there resources? Have you created like a little pocket network of people who you guys help each other? Help me with that. It's definitely a niche within digital marketing, especially with social media. And social media evolves so frequently that it's a lot of trial and error but I also have talked to disabled users. I'm connected to disabled users. There's other people out there who, you know, kind of dabble within accessibility and inclusion. I know a lot of them, but what I've tried to do is really build a hub of information specifically for social media, because I had to go to, you know, five different websites, this website, this resource, this expert, to get all of this information that I need. So I'm trying to alleviate all the hopping around and just making one source for all this information. People love organization. Uh, that's one of the things that, and if you have that ability and you have the passion to dive in deeply and find out those resources, organize those in a way that people can consume that, not just consume it, hopefully, 
but implement it, right? That that's the key. Now, where do we even begin here? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, I understand. I really do understand what you do, but I don't know what the first step is. What is the first step? How do you, as a business, I'm an entrepreneur, you know, we run a business here. What do I do? I think one of the most important steps is recognizing that not every internet user looks the same or navigates through digital spaces the same way. So you basically have to step outside your own personal experience and really think harder about how other people are engaging with your content, which is something that I always stress to people. Because really, yes, accessible content is better marketing and it keeps you from being sued. But the real reason that you want to be creating accessible content is because you care about other people and their experience with your brand online. So that's what I always kind of stress is really stepping outside of your own personal experience. Understanding that you, that there is a problem out there that you might not have realized, but also when you have that epiphany, which you had at community college in Chicago, right. And that, that we had two years ago when we had interviewed this, this other, this other lady who talks about this, once you realize that it's a problem, I'm going to be honest, it's overwhelming, right? I mean, as a business owner, Alexa, I was very overwhelmed with, and again, where do I begin? So I, I, I realize I have a problem. And for those of you who are listening, you have the problem. I'm sorry. You know, you should have slapping you around. You need to wake up there. This is an issue. What are the first steps? So what is the best thing for me to do as a business owner to start the process of kind of eating this whole elephant one bite at a time? Well, definitely finding content specialists who understand accessibility. I always point people in the direction of the W3C, which is the World Wide Web Consortium. It's kind of like the universal standard for web accessibility. It touches on social media. There's aspects that are applicable to social media, but then also talking to your employees who are possibly disabled, learning about technology that disabled users use in order to navigate through digital spaces and consume digital content. So experiencing that is crucial. People are always surprised when I tell them that their phone can actually be a screen reader. I use my phone as a screen reader to test content all the time. It's built into your smartphone. What? Yeah. So I have an iPhone uh -huh. and the program in there, the Texas speech program is called voiceover. If you have an Android, it's called talkback. Basically you activate it and you hear the voice come on and it starts to read content that you tap. So it is crucial to understanding how blind and visually impaired users navigate through these spaces is knowing how to use the technology that they use, because then you can create content that works with that technology. Is it the content specifically, the words themselves that is, is as important as how they're organized to make it so that they're more accessible to those? I don't even know if I'm asking you the right question there. When it comes to content creation, I kind of put it into two categories. There are things you could be doing to make your content more accessible, such as putting hashtags in camel case. So you capitalize the first letter of each word in a hashtag. So if it's like social media rocks, you're capitalizing the S, the M, and the R. Or adding alt text to images so that screen readers have something to read. And then there's the other category, which is 
when people go out of their way and do extra things that are completely inaccessible, which does happen. That's pretty popular. So people do ASCII art, which is illustrations made out of characters. A screen reader doesn't know how to handle that. There's Unicode characters from external websites. So you make your, your type look fancy, essentially. These are extra things that you are going out of your way to do and takes time. You don't need to do those things and they're inaccessible. So it's kind of those two categories of there are things that you could be doing and there's things that you should just stop doing altogether. <laughs> well, and maybe that is the way that we eat this elephant, Alexis. We we figure out what we need to stop doing first and then we can go ahead and implement because stopping something is easier sometimes than implementing. But why 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 do you need to capitalize the the main words of the hashtag? So if you have a compound hashtag, basically there's more than one word in your hashtag. If you're in all lowercase, a screen reader might not be able to discern where one word stops and where another one starts. Capital letters and spaces will do that. Obviously, you can't put a space in a hashtag, so you use capital letters. Okay. And the thing about doing that is it actually makes your hashtag easier for literally everyone to read. That's just how our vision works. So... It's just a good basic practice. It's probably the easiest way to make your content more accessible. I was wondering why Jessica did that. She learned that from you. Like seriously, like, I, we, cause that was, I don't know, probably five, six months ago that I noticed that our hashtags look differently. And you're right. As a, as a, as a non visually impaired person, they're easier to read. Like I get, cause sometimes especially when people have their hashtags are like nine compound words, which we don't recommend that you do, but we do recommend Alexa, the, the branded hashtag, right? So for instance, be your own loud is our tagline. So we do capitalize the B and the Y and the O and the L, but we didn't do that right out of the gate. And so she must've mm -hmm. learned that from you because for everybody who knows, if you guys haven't met Jessica on her team, she's the one who runs our social media and our digital media here. And she's always looking for people like Alexa to learn from, to make sure that we're being, because diversity and inclusion happens to be part of our company values. Okay, now stop making it more difficult by trying to be too flowery, weird in, in making it so that your stuff might look a little bit different. Uh, that's not the best way to stand out. And then, okay, so I like the hashtag thing. What are some other things that you tell, that you find yourself, Alexa, telling people all the time? Like, hey, you know what? You should do this. All the time, put alt text on your images. So alt text is short for alternative text. And it's basically the physical description of your image that you attach on the back end before you post it on Facebook, Twitter, whatever platform you're on. Alt text is what a screen reader will read aloud to a user so that a blind or visually impaired user knows what this image is of. Because if you don't do that, then more than likely a user is just going to hear image horizontal or image vertical. And that doesn't tell them anything. That's a pretty standard practice at this point. Websites are known to do it. That's kind of where it started. But now you can do it on social media as well. How do you do that with something like a quote meme then? So you still want them to be able to read the text, but I also want them to understand the contextual surroundings. Memes are usually pretty hard to make accessible just because they're either multi-frame or they involve a lot of text. When you have flattened copy on an image, so basically you can't highlight it with your cursor, 
That also means that it's not readable for a screen reader. You need to put all, all of that flattened copy into your alt text. So basically, if you had like a promotional graphic for an event coming up, mm -hmm. your alt text would be promotional graphic for the name of the event, text reads, and then you would have to put all of that flattened copy into your alt text, which is why most social media managers hate getting sent event flyers to put on social. That's a lot of alt text for me wow. to do. Wow. But there's the solution. You have a solution. There's a workaround for it, right? Okay. Yeah. What are some of the other workarounds that you're seeing? I, I love it. So by the way, we build quote memes and stuff like that. How, how do you do that? Ooh, ooh. How do you do that with video? With video, obviously, we want to caption all of our videos. Right. Even if there's not a lot of dialogue, you should still be putting captions in there for non-speaking sounds. So if a phone rings or a door slams, stuff like that. For users who are deaf blind, so they cannot hear or see, you actually need a written description of your video some way, somehow. A great example of a social media account that does this really well is the Wheel of Time Prime show. They have a Twitter account and they put out these really beautiful 30 second videos that don't really have dialogue to them. They still add captions, but then they'll actually thread a written description of that video to the original video tweet, just so that someone who's using a screen reader understands what's in that video. Is it all, oh, this is, sorry, this is a totally ignorant question, but for some reason, what you just said really triggered it for me. Is it always the same voice? I mean, the screen reader is a standardized screen reading voice, so I couldn't have the screen reader hear your voice. Like if you were describing the video and what you're talking about, do you understand what I'm saying? I don't even know if I'm asking the question. It depends on your device because okay. there are devices that are just strictly screen readers, okay. but I'm using an iPhone, so I can change the voice up to different voices. I had it as an Irish male for a while. Now I'm back to the standard, I think it's like called Sam or something is the standard voice. Um, so you can change it up a little bit depending on the device that you're using, but it's, again, it's dependent upon the device. Yeah. Mine is an Irish woman right now. Uh, I changed one <laughs> up because I just, I love, I love that I've done. In fact, it's funny. I'll be out with my, my family and I'll say something like, you know, Hey Siri or whatever. And the voice will come on and like, up, oh, dad, change the voice again. I just like switching it up. But I, but I mean, I, I do that, but I'm not dependent on it. And so I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad that I can hear that there, there is some sort of, there's, there's an ability, but, but back to the video thing. So the wheel of time, right? So they mm -hmm. have the 32nd video. What are they explaining? Can you get, you, uh, open the hood a little bit more. Let's get a little bit more granular there. If you don't mind. They are basically when they thread a written description to that tweet with the original video, they are giving you a play-by-play -play of what is physically happening in the video. So it's basically someone describing what, you're, what you would be seeing in the video. There's an audio version of this. So if you open up the captions menu on a Netflix video, typically you'll see, oh, here are all the options for captions and subtitles, but you should also see something for audio descriptions, which is the audio version. So it would be a additional track, an additional audio track that talks through every scene and describes it. I've actually sat through a movie before in a cinema where someone requested that because they were a, a blind person. 
And I was like, I was, I was a teenager and I was like, what is going on? And then I realized, oh, there's, there's someone who wants to enjoy this movie, but they need the audio descriptions to know what's going on. Wow. From a marketing and branding perspective, as a, as a, as a digital accessibility expert, you're also a social media expert, right? So I want everybody to know that she's got many layers of expertise here. Do you find that this makes brands more, not not just because it's the right thing to do, because it's the right thing to do. All of you who are listening to this just realize you just need to do it because it's the right thing to do. So let's use that as our foundation. So Alexa, what are the other benefits of doing this besides that it's just the right thing to do? Well, it definitely impacts your marketing reach because if you're making your content more accessible, then logically more people should actually be able to engage with it which is all a digital marketer really wants. We want to reach as many people as possible, but also just keep in the back of your head that when it comes to video on the internet, 85% of internet users watch videos with sound off. I am one of those people. I typically watch with captions on. I just prefer it that way. So that is something else to think about is that it does impact your marketing reach. I do that too. I absolutely love, I don't know what it is, I, but I, when I'm watching a video, even if the sound is on Alexa, I will still have the subtitles on just because I, I don't, maybe I just feel like I'm connecting more deeply with it. I, I don't personally know why I like that so much, but like I've got teenage boys and they're not listening, right? They're reading 90% of what they're, you said, whatever it was, 80%, most of what they're reading, they're actually not, they're not listening to. Yeah. Well, for me, I'm a, I'm a very visual person. So I feel like I absorb information better through visual mediums. So captions for me are kind of crucial because I could hear something and it goes in one ear and out the other, and we never see it again. That's kind of my big thing, which is why the app clubhouse and Twitter spaces don't resonate with me that much because it's so audio based, but Twitter spaces at least does have captions options. So I can turn that on and make it a little bit more accessible for my style of learning. That has been the biggest backlash on clubhouse is the lack of accessibility. Yes, it is. It is a huge topic of discussion clubhouse for their lack of accessibility. TikTok is under a lot of fire from its own content creators because there's no way to caption within the app. Twitter got a lot of backlash last year when it did the beta release of audio tweets, which has kind of sparked their transformation into a platform that deeply cares about accessibility now. So they're very transparent about we messed up and we want to do better. And now they have a whole team devoted to it. They're very transparent about new features that come out for accessibility. So it's kind of nice because Twitter is my favorite child. And I just love being able to say, and, and they really care about accessibility too. We talk a lot about cult branding and cult-like organizations. And one of the, you just said something, Alexa, there that I think a lot of people don't realize is a magnificent and very powerful marketing tool is when you say you made a mistake. Not just owning up to the mistake, but then saying, this is what we're doing about it, right? I That endears your existing fan base to know that you care. And then you have this access to this whole, like you, right? Uh, your level of fandom to Twitter just went up exponentially because of this offer, right? Yeah. And I mean, for Twitter, 
it was the next day that they said, we messed up and we're going to do better. You get a lot of organizations that will do that. And then you don't hear from them again. Mm -hmm. Twitter just keeps churning it out. They keep talking about accessibility. They hold town halls. They did a whole blog post about it in September. This is what we're doing because we want to be better. So they're very transparent about that, which is just a good business move. It's a good PR move. Just so everybody knows, for, for the products and services that we offer here at Proudmouth, these are major things that we have implemented. So making sure that our, our podcasts all have the transcript available so that people can have their, their reader read it, or if they can read it with their eye holes instead of their ear holes, right? Now, the the quote mean things I, I'm going to have to ask about, because I want to make sure that we are layering the stuff on there so that people can grasp the entire concept, because quote means are really powerful, regardless of whatever your abilities are. They're a great way to communicate a very uh, succinct idea. Now, you have a checklist. For those of you who are raving fans, which we have like eight of them, I think, uh, of, of this podcast, you know that we are always trying to be able to provide our listeners with tools in order for them to implement the stuff that we talk about on the podcast. And you have a checklist. So why don't you, one, tell everybody where the checklist is. Well, we're going to actually give it to them, too, because it's going to be in the show notes, right? But but I would like for you to highlight a couple of things that are on this checklist so that the people who are listening can well, they can leave the podcast, Alexa, and, and hopefully implement something. Sure. So I have an accessibility basic best practices checklist on my website, which is therealalexa.com, because I like to throw shade at the organization that stole my name. <laughs> but it's, just, it's a basic checklist, and it goes over things like, make sure your hashtags are in camel case. Did you put alt text on your images? Did you avoid using ASCII art and Unicode characters? Are there captions on your videos? So it's very, very basic stuff. And then the flip side of it is kind of a a glossary, so to speak, of maybe terms you don't know. So it goes over why alt text is important, what camel case means, the difference between a written description for a video and an audio description. So stuff like that. Most people don't know the difference between open and closed captions. It talks about that. So I try to make it as basic as possible so that, yes, it's usable. It's useful for digital marketers, but it's also useful for the everyday social media user who just wants to be a better human being online. Our audience are financial services professionals and then also people who provide products and services to financial services professionals. So if there was a company, a financial services company, do you work with them? I mean, would would they be able to hire you and have you come in and make sure that they're doing stuff right and implement the right stuff? What I mostly do is educational presentations, webinars to brands and organizations as well as college marketing programs, because I want to I want to get in there well before they're in the industry. But I do all of this pro bono because I I really just want this information to be out there and shareable, because not a lot of people still don't know about it. Yeah. So I just try to do it from the goodness of my heart and sharing good information that I'm hoping they'll implement and share with other people. I would personally pay you for it. (laughs) I I mean, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. I I do think that you're going to get some takers. We have, we have people in our organization or in not just our organization, but in the organizations that we serve that would love to have you on to talk about this to their internal marketing departments. You know, when you've got a company, you know, that's a large financial services company, 
this they have to do this guys i mean maybe not legally but ethically come on you gotta do this this is the right it's just the right thing to be a good human and alexa by the way thank you for being a good human thank you for <laughs> having this be one of the reasons why you wake up in the morning and make sure that you're trying to raise awareness which as a company who our entire goal is to help people rise above the noise and there's a lot of noise surrounding the right social media and you're taking that to the next level and two, you know being your own loud and the best way for you to be your own loud is to be you be you to your core believe what you believe and then get it out there in any way possible so whether that's people downloading your checklist finding you on on your website making sure that they bring you in to do educational workshops anything like that we here at, at proud mouth want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing what you're doing. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I always just kind of stress to people because, you know, you said ethically it's the right thing to do, maybe not legally. There might come a time where it is legally the right thing to do. So I just stress to people, you want to be proactive about how you create content and not reactive when someone says, hey, I'm going to sue you. Right. Well, now to, to wrap this up, what you just said is it is the right thing to do, but at some point this could be legally you being obligated to do so. And to be brutally honest, the Americans with Disability Act covers a lot of this stuff already. And maybe you just haven't had somebody aggressively try to poke you in the eye and say you're not really following this. Is that fair? Yeah, kind of fair. ADA is usually more for physical facilities, but there was a lawsuit in 2019, so very recently, involving Domino's Pizza, where the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals for the United States basically said, hey, the ADA can apply to the websites and apps of businesses. That was a huge deal. That's a big, that's a big deal. Again, everybody, the best time to do something is now. We always talk about that with podcasting or freaking planting a tree, right? The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The best time to start a podcast is, well, three years ago. And the best time for you to get all of your crap in order was yesterday. But you know what? Now that you're aware, as G.I. Joe used to say in the old cartoon, knowing is half the battle. Now that you know, then you really should take take uh, action. So, Alexa, thank you so much for being on the show. And we'll make sure that we have all of your links in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me. It was great talking to you. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who needs to know this, which, by the way, this should be widely shared because there's all sorts of organizations that all of you are involved in who are not paying attention to this stuff. Please make sure you share this podcast and other podcasts, but really take this one and hand it off to marketing departments, your social media person, different people who are in marketing to make sure that they are up to date and understand the resource that we have in the show notes, which is that checklist that Alexa was talking about. So for Alexa, the real Alexa, by the way, and for all of us here at Proudmouth, we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to learn more about how you can be your own loud, visit our website, read our blog posts, attend our educational webinars, and sign up for our new Influence Accelerator Academy, where you too can learn how to truly be an influencer in your space. Have a wonderful day.